today we're going to talk about the rhythm of work and rest. Okay, and I'd like to talk about the way that God's called us to work, but he's also called us to rest. He's called us to take care of our inner lives. And uh, the big question is, how do we find a healthy balance to all that, right? How do we get, get a good balance in our lives that glorifies God? So point one is this, we are called to work. And I'm just going to con- quickly uh, run through some verses on the topic of work, because I think it's, I think it's fairly obvious, but just give you the background. Uh, Genesis 2.15 says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. So from the very beginning, we're called to work. Even before the fall, we were called to work. Then Timothy 5.8 is in the context of, of caring for widows. It says, uh, but if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So those are some heavy words there. Um, we're supposed to work and, and provide for our relatives. And then in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58, it says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. So we're also called to work for the Lord, whatever form that might take for you. And uh, as you know, we're supposed to have the mindset that whatever we're doing uh, is, is really for the Lord, because we're working for Him to bring Him glory and be a light in this world, right? And Acts uh, 20.35 gives another angle on work. It says, In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. So we're called to work hard so that we can help the weak. We can give so that we'll have something to give. And lastly, there's a sobering statement about work in Proverbs 24, 30 through 34. It says, I walk by the field of a lazy person, the vineyard of one with no common sense. I saw that it was overgrown with nettles. It was covered with weeds. Its walls were broken down. Then as I looked and thought about it, I learned this lesson. A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. So there we have the the section describing how God doesn't want us to be lazy. So we're clearly instructed to work and to work hard. But then we also have this call to rest. That's point two, we are called to rest. Obviously we have the Sabbath rest. Exodus 20.10, the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. We'll talk more about the Sabbath a little later in the message. Mark 6 talks about Jesus and the disciple, the apostles here. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. 
Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When they went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. So Jesus called his people to rest. He tried to get them away to a place where they could rest. And what happened? The work followed them, right? The people followed them. Sometimes it's, it's hard to rest because our work follows us, chases us down. And, uh, you know, we've got wonderful technology these days that allows us to work from anywhere, uh, which can be a blessing. It can also be a curse because our, we can never really get away from our work at that point. Um, I like Psalm 127, 1 and 2. It really helped me through college. It says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over a city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives his beloved sleep. So it's basically saying there, unless the Lord blesses something, it doesn't matter how hard you work, it says it's vain or or useless uh, for you to overwork, to rise up early, go late to rest, eat the bread of anxious toil. So there must be a balance somewhere, right, between work and rest. If it's important to God, then God will help you make it happen. And also just good for us to remember that he gives us the gift of sleep. He gives us the gift of rest. So there's this important rhythm of uh, daily work, daily rest, not just weekly rest. It's important not to go too long, too hard every day and exhaust yourself. It's good to get good rest at night. It's good for your health. So my big questions are these. How do we know if we're working too much? And how do we know if we're resting too much? And where's the balance, right? So point three is that the Sabbath command gives us some guidance. Exodus 28 through 11 says, Remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath to make it holy. So we have some clear guidance there. Six days of work, one day of rest. And you can ask yourself, Am I working six days, right? Maybe it's five days at your job and another day taking care of things around the house, fixing things, maintaining things, cleaning things, right? There's all that work to be done. Maybe you you take care of others full time, so that's your job. You spend your six days doing that, but but the question is, are are you keeping busy for six days as your strength allows and as your health allows? And obviously people who have struggles with health are going to have to work less, take, take more care of themselves. As we're getting older, we'll have to back things off and not work like we did when we were in our 20s. 
And then the other question is, are you resting one day a week? It's actually kind of hard to do, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. But the Sabbath is not meant to be like a law for us. Um, The ESV Study Bible Commentary says this, The Sabbath commandment is a gift to enable God's people to live by faith, requiring them not to work all the time as they trust in Him for their future well-being. And I really like that. The Sabbath commandment is a gift to enable God's people to live by faith, requiring them not to work all the time as they trust Him for their future well-being. So it's a gift. That pattern of work and rest is a gift to us. It's a rhythm that's good for us. Right? So why is it hard to rest? Does anyone find it hard to take like a whole day and stop working? Yeah, there's a few. Okay, uh, That's good. Uh, it's a challenge. Sometimes we have some strange views about the Sabbath. I know um, as a young Christian, I used to think basically you just had to stop and read your Bible and pray for 16 hours, you know, in the Sabbath time. And so I really didn't keep the Sabbath as a young believer. But I like uh, the four principles of a biblical Sabbath from the book Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by Peter Scazzaro. And Pastor Greg has talked about this. He did a message on Sabbath rest and covered some of these principles, but thought I would review it for those who might have missed it or forgot. Uh, there's four principles. One is to stop. Two is to rest. Three is to delight. And four is to contemplate. So number one, stop is obviously to stop working, right? It's nice to to have, you know, the five-day work week and, and the extra day to to catch up on things and then leaving a day to rest. But, uh, you know, we can never really get everything done. There's always something to be left undone. And Tim Keller says this, Slaves never get a day off. We are not slaves. We've been set free. We should have a day off, right? Stopping is a chance to embrace our limits. God's made us with limits, and I think that's on purpose, limits to what we can get done. It helps us realize that we need him. So I want to encourage you to just embrace your limitations. It's very liberating. God's on the throne, not us. The world's not going to fall apart if we take a day to rest. Psalm 46, verse 10 and 11 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. So we can stop. We can be still. We can know that he is God. And the second principle is to rest. God rested after his work. He calls us to do the same, uh, both on a daily basis and on a weekly basis. So what do we do with all this time after we stopped work? Peter Scazzaro says this, whatever delights and replenishes us, right? which I think is really cool. What do we do while we rest? Whatever delights and replenishes us. That's very liberating for me. And uh, so that would include hobbies, maybe working out if you like to work out, um, taking walks, you know, going to the park, enjoying nature, Maybe uh, reading a novel, playing an instrument, playing some guitar, if that refreshes you. 
Um, so, you know, maybe you like something like woodworking, but you never get a chance to do it, right? But you wouldn't do that on the Sabbath because you consider it work. But I think you're, you're free to do things like that as long as it refreshes you and replenishes you. And you can thank the Lord as you're in the midst of that. So, uh, but the caution is if it's, if it's work that you dread or if it's work that drains you, then that's probably something you should avoid on the Sabbath. Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. We don't serve the Sabbath, but the Sabbath serves us. And then principle three is to take time to delight in what we've been given. Genesis 1.31 says, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. There was evening, there was morning on the sixth day. So after finishing his work, God took some time to enjoy it, to delight in it. And we are invited to do the same thing. To delight in all he's made for us, delight in all he's given to us, taking time to really savor our food and our drink rather than rushing through a meal, stopping to smell the roses, as they used to say, as the old saying goes, taking time to just be in nature, delight in the awesome beauty of all that God's made around us, and also taking time to delight in people. People are made in the image of God, they're his creation, and we're called to to love each other. So it's good to take some time and delight in people. My son Alex is really good about this. He just enjoys being with people and hanging out. And I need to learn to be more like him. So, uh, and also taking time to play and have some fun. Some recreation. And then the last principle is contemplate. This includes worship, reading his word, spending time in prayer. Taking time to focus our minds on the Lord. Pondering the love of God and thanking him for all his goodness, right? So why is all this important, right? Why is the the Sabbath and rest important? Number four is because we're called to take care of our inner life. We're called to take care of our inner life. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Keep your heart with all vigilance. The uh, ESV commentary says, heart in Proverbs regularly refers to the center of one's inner life and orientation to God, from which a person does all thinking, feeling, and choosing. That's your heart, so it's really important to take care of it. And I wanted to read you an excerpt from uh, Soul Keeping, kind of a modern parable, Soul Keeping by John Ortberg. This is called The Keeper of the Stream. It says, There once was a town high in the Alps that straddled the banks of a beautiful stream. The stream was fed by streams that were as old as earth and as deep as the sea. The water was clear like crystal. Children laughed and played beside it. Swans and geese swam on it. You could see the rocks and the sand and the rainbow trout that swarmed at the bottom of the stream. High in the hills... Far beyond anyone's sight lived an old man who served as keeper of the springs. He had been hired so long ago that no one could remember a time when he wasn't there. He would travel from spring one spring to another in the hills, removing branches or fallen leaves or debris that might pollute the water, but his work was unseen. 
One year the town council decided that they had better things to do with their money. No one supervised the old man anyway. They had roads to repair, taxes to collect, and services to offer. And giving money to an unseen stream cleaner had become a luxury that they could no longer afford. So the old man left his post. High in the mountains, the springs went untended. Twigs and branches and worse muddied the liquid flow. Mud and silt compacted the creek bed. Farm waste turned parts of the stream into stagnant bogs. For a time, no one in the village noticed. But after a while, the water was not the same. It began to look brackish. The swans flew away to live elsewhere. The water no longer had a crisp scent that drew children to play by it. Some people in the town began to grow ill. All noticed the loss of sparkling beauty that used to flow between the banks and streams that fed the town. The life of the village depended on the stream. The life of the stream depended on the keeper. The city council reconvened. The money was found. The old man was rehired. After yet another time, the springs were cleaned. The stream was pure. Children played again on its banks. Illness was replaced by health. The swans came home. And the village came back to life. The life of the village depended on the health of the stream. The stream is your soul, and you are the keeper. Isn't that interesting? It's important to take care of the soul. Things will gradually decline if we don't take care of our inner life, right? So what is the soul exactly? John Ortberg says it's the deepest part of you. It's the whole person. He also says that it's the most important part of you and you should take really good care of it. Right? So we're called to rest. We're called to take care of our inner life, our heart and our soul. But that can be difficult. Right? Resting and soul care can be difficult. That's number four. Why is it hard to rest? Right? For me it's hard to rest because it's hard to be content without some sense of accomplishment. I like to feel like I'm getting something done and I feel uneasy when things are undone. So that's to my fault sometimes. I like the sense of accomplishment more than I like connecting with God or with people. And for some of us, it's maybe because our self-worth is tied to what we can accomplish. We're always trying to, to prove that we are somebody, that we're important. Uh, Tim Keller makes mention of the the first Rocky movie. Adrian said to Rocky uh, that you you work so hard, right? And Rocky said, uh, all I want to do is go the distance. I want to know for the first time in my life that I'm not just another bum. So that's what drove him. So the drive to prove ourselves sometimes makes it hard to rest. The fact is that God loves us no matter what we accomplish, right? Uh, Tim Keller also talks about how the, the Sabbath has to be more than just stopping the physical work. You have to stop the work beneath the work. Right? The work beneath the work is you constantly trying to prove yourself and to others that you're, you're worth something. He uses a phrase that he found in New York Times Magazine 
which called it the eternal inner murmur of self-reproach. <laughs> we tend to never be satisfied with ourselves, so we never stop working, we never stop doing things. We can't get free from the eternal inner murmur of self-reproach. We tend to be never satisfied with our accomplishments. Oftentimes the things we own are never enough. So the work underneath the work is never done. The work underneath the work is what tires your soul. And we can never stop the work until we come to Jesus who said in Matthew 11, Come to me all who are labor and are heavy laden. <clears throat> I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And then point five, the last point is this. You can't truly rest until you truly come to Jesus. <clears throat> Keller says, Jesus gives you the deep rest that your soul needs, free from the haunting thoughts that say, I'm not enough, I need to do more. So if you want rest, you need to go to Jesus. And if you think you've gone to him but still don't have rest, then you probably never fully connected with him in the first place. So I'll just end with this verse in Psalm 116, 5-7. says, gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. <clears throat> when I was brought low, he saved me. Return, O my soul, to your rest. For the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. Amen. Let's pray, and then we'll, we'll sing some more. Lord God, we just thank you for your word. God, thank you for your goodness to us. And thank you for laying these things out for us. God, pray that you would help us to work like we should. Help us to rest like we should. Help us to have a healthy balance, Lord. And most importantly, help us to take care of our hearts and souls so that we can bring you glory and and bear much fruit, God. And we just thank you for all you are to us. Jesus' name.